Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. Good to be with you this morning. Good to be together, I guess. Uh, I've been I've been out of town, or at least not here, for the last couple of Sundays. And one of them I was just not feeling well. I don't know if you're getting what I had, but it's not been fun. And then uh, last weekend we had the men's retreat, and I had a funeral to attend, and then capped off the weekend by going to Lambeau Field in Green Bay for the very first time. So good, good to be together, and I thank Mike for... Starting off this series, I thought he had a wonderful lesson. Wonderful lesson. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Thanksgiving's only two weeks away. Can you believe it? Man, I can't believe it. You know, Teresa Trunk, right after Teresa Trunk, things begin to go faster, it seems like, toward the end of the year. And um, I was putting up Christmas lights on my house, trying to get an early start. My, my goal was to get the lights on the house, and I did. But as I was putting them on, I couldn't help but think, man, Thanksgiving is just two weeks away. And it will be, uh, in just two weeks, we'll all be gathering with families or friends at a table. And we'll be eating who knows what. I mean, I I was very fortunate as a child. One of the great things about my childhood is we had these big Thanksgiving dinners. My grandmother was an excellent cook. And we had turkey and ham and cranberry sauce and you know, not the kind that comes in the can where you open it up and it goes, shunk, you know, out, no, no, the, but the real cranberries, uh, mashed potatoes, not instant, uh, green beans, pumpkin pie, pecan pie, red velvet cake. It was always a lot of fun. I'm getting excited already. Um, you know, and then, and when I got married, uh, I didn't know that besides my wife being beautiful, she could cook. And man, she could, we, we would go to her house and we'd have this big spread as well and we'd gather around. And many of us are going to be doing that. I don't know what your favorite food is for Thanksgiving, what you're uh, excited about there, but I'll tell you, there's more going on than just feeding our faces on Thanksgiving. Would you agree with that? Yeah, because between the, the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the cranberry sauce, there's talking, laughing, and if you're lucky or unlucky, depending on what it is, you might get a little family drama happening on Thanksgiving. Uh, and a lot of times we'll leave that day full, but but not just full of food. We'll be full, hopefully, with some love, some joy, and most of all, some good memories of family being together. You hear all kinds of things at the table because there's more going on than food. When I was a young man, a, a kid, we used to have these things called top value stamps you'd get from the grocery store and you would save them up. And we had booklets. And, I, and for ten and a half books, I got a cassette player, a Sony cassette player. And I remember setting that under the dining room table before Thanksgiving and hitting the record button. And all the things that our family would talk about, uh, every, it was not a taboo topic. And I loved it. When I got it out, I sat in the middle of the table and my grandma Gill, whose nickname we called her Bobo, why I don't know, and she goes, what's that? I said, this is a cassette player. And I hit the play button and sit back and watch the fun. And they're all going, oh my, oh my. And I'll never forget old Bobo. She's going, oh my, I can't believe I said that. Are you going to erase that? I never erased it. I lost the tape eventually. Maybe she took it. I don't know. But the things that you, you hear at, at the dinner table, there's a lot more going on is what I'm trying to say to you this morning at a meal. And it's same, the same is true when you look at the things, the meals that Jesus had with people. Uh, a lot more was going on than just eating together and uh, filling stomachs. It seemed like Jesus was interested in filling souls. And so there's always a message in the meal. And so when we came up with this series, uh, Alan was the one that said, you know what, why don't we do a series on meals during the month of November? I said, that's a great idea. And look at what is the message in the meal. And instead of just breaking down the meal, whether it be the Passover meal or the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jewish feast in that sense, what was Jesus doing when he was eating with people? Was he just eating or was there more going on? And what we discovered is there's a lot more going on. You know, Jesus enjoyed sitting down to a good meal. And look at this in Luke, in Luke 7. He even says this about himself. He says, look, he tells his critics, look, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you say, look at him. He eats too much, drinks too much wine, and he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom, it says, is proved to be right by what it does. You know, Jesus says, yes, I did. I come eating. I like to eat. 
I like to drink. I like to party. I like to enjoy people. I, I love doing that. And you think, and, uh, and you say, I'm a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He did not dispute that. He did not argue with them on that. He goes, but I want you to know something. There's more going on than you think. If you look at me closely, you're going to notice I'm up to something else. So I'll say it this way to you. Wisdom will be proved by what I do at these meals. What I do when I'm eating with people. By the actions. So watch me close, critic. And you'll see what I'm really about. Do you like to eat? I love to eat too. Jesus loved to eat. We just had the men's retreat uh, over at Hazlitt, uh, uh, over at uh, Lake Carlisle, or Carlisle Lake, and there we were. And uh, there's four to a cabin is the way it works. And, and, and we're not taking care of food this year. Bring your own food. You don't tell four men in a cabin to bring their own food. That's just not smart. Because they bring enough food for all four men in the cabin. And when you have four guys doing that, there's not enough storage space for the food they bring. So I, I'm with, I'm with uh, Floyd uh, Thornton, and I'm with uh, Bob Bader and Chris Potter, and here they come, marching in. with. It's like we've been to the Wal- went to Walmart or someplace or a store, and here come the ribs and the steaks and the eggs, organic eggs, and bacon, all kinds of bacon. And what did you bring, Tim? I brought uh, some vegetables. That's all you brought? Yeah, I knew you guys would bring everything else. Well, did you get any coffee? Here comes the shame. You know, go get the coffee. So I went and got the coffee. And we had so much food in that one cabin. We called some other people up and said, hey, listen, we're having breakfast up here. Come on. And you know what they did when the men came? They brought food with them. They didn't have to. Here comes my brother and with a big slab of bacon. I just got this at the meat market. It's the thick kind. And we're frying it, flipping it, and feeding as fast as we can. And I got to thinking, you know, What's, what is these, this uh, potluck going to be like Saturday night? And I wasn't even able to make it. I was at a funeral of my aunt, Sandra. But it was what I heard about it. They said, man, there was so much meat there. There were meatballs and steaks and ribs and everything you could imagine. And the men were just going carnivorous crazy, you know. And, and, and I thought to myself, you know, Jesus loved to eat. The men loved to eat. Maybe for the first time we were like Jesus, like we'd never been before, you know? Because we're eating all this stuff up. And I thought, wow, that's cool. Jesus loved to eat. But it wasn't about the food. It really wasn't about the food. It was about people. You see, when He came to a meal, it was more than that. He says, you see me eating. You see me drinking. Watch close. Listen close. Because there's something else I'm going to do. I'm not going to just be filling stomachs. I'm going to be filling souls. And that's why some of the best lessons for the lips of Jesus are found around a dinner table. I don't know what it is. It's when, what is it when we eat together? The guard kind of drops. We begin to talk about things we normally wouldn't talk about. And Jesus is right there amongst all these different people. And when He'd have a meal with them, He would have some kind of message with it. So you see Jesus eat with a guy like Zacchaeus, a wee little man. And he invites himself over to eat. And what happens in that meal? Well, something happens because Zacchaeus stands up. And I know if he's very short, it's hard to see him. But he does stand up. And he says, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times. You're like, where did this come from? Did you get a bad banana here? Or did you eat some bean here? What? It come from something else going on in the meal. See what I'm saying? Jesus is eating, walking through a field, and just gets a snack. Puts it in his mouth. Starts eating. And with it, he begins just talking. He gives a message to those he's eating with. Just a snack. He has a picnic with 5,000 people. A company picnic. You know, a big one. And what happens in that? He gives a lesson. There's a message in that meal. He's with the disciples in an upper room he's rented. And in just those 12 closest friends, you see him saying things. Anybody that dips their hand in, with me in this bowl is going to betray me. Everybody did. It was me, me, him, him, me, him, 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 me. Ask him. What are you doing washing feet? We're eating together. There's something else going on in the meal. And even 
you catch a meal, he's with a Pharisee who has leprosy named Simon. And in that meal, he gets a message. And then there's another meal that probably we don't even think of very often. It's that meal after the resurrection. He has breakfast with his disciples and he has a message just for Peter. He talks to Peter over breakfast. See, there's a lot going on in these meals. We're not going to talk about all of them. But I do want to talk about one of them today. And it's found in Matthew chapter 9. It's also found in Luke chapter 5. And it's also found in Mark chapter 2. It's a story of Matthew, a despised tax collector. Let's read together on your notes. I've chosen Matthew, 5, Matthew 9 for a reason because this is Matthew's version of what happened. He says, As Jesus went on from there, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, He told him. And Matthew got up and followed Him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with Him and His disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked His disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I think about all the people. Just visualize who's at this table. You have Jesus at the table. You have His disciples sitting at this table. There are many, many tax collectors and sinners that that are friends of Matthew, and probably some were there because of Jesus. You have the Pharisees, though they're not at the table, they're close enough to see what's going on. Oh, no, no. We're not going to eat with these people, but we're going to be nosy enough to watch. Maybe like when you're at a restaurant and you're talking and you look over and there's a couple of people listening in on your conversation. So they're kind of watching from a distance. They're close to the table, but not at the table. And then you have Matthew. Matthew himself. It's in his house. He's hosting the thing. And see, there's a message for everybody at this table. And I believe there's a message for you and I this morning. What is it? Very, very simple lesson. But when you stop and think about it, what a message. What, a, what is it, Tim? Well, the first thing I think Jesus wants to tell us is God wants to know you. He wants to know me. He wants to have a relationship with me. He wants to be friends with me. While Jesus was having dinner, verse 10, at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And you say, well, why start there, Tim? Well, meals played a significant role in Jewish culture. You say, well, yeah, like the Passover meal and the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, the, the, the feast they had uh, at Jubilee and, and you know, Pentecost had feasts. No, 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 I'm not talking about those feasts. I'm talking about the regular common meal. Just the regular meal we're going to have. Uh, uh, we have two, three times a day, depending on how often you eat, maybe four. It was significant in Jewish culture to say to somebody, I want to come to your house, or I want to invite you over to, to have a meal with me. What you are saying is, what you're saying is, I want to be your friend. I want to be close to you. I want to have a friendship. You see, common people didn't share meals together with the affluent. You didn't see the rich sharing their table with the poor. You didn't see religious people sharing the table with non-religious people. Oh, that was a big no-no. We're not going to have, I'm not going to share a meal with a pagan. There was, it was, it was, there were, there were lines, cultural lines. So, you know, Lines in our society that would just block people in and out. You either in or out. In other words, if you didn't believe like me or behave like me, then you don't belong with me. Make sense? Well, that sounds familiar, don't it? A lot of people operate this way, don't they? A lot of churches operate this way. If you don't believe like me, you don't behave like me, then you're not really a part of me. Hurts, doesn't it? True. It's true. Jesus said, no, we're not doing that. He messes with that system. He decides he's going to eat with a guy 
who is despised. You see, if of all the people that don't belong at the table of Jesus or the table of a Jew, a, Jew, a despised tax collector was one of them, of all the people. You see, back then, the Roman government was in charge and they were they occupied Jerusalem. They occupied Israel. They were a superpower. And they taxed everything. I remember years ago watching a little house in the prairie where um, Charles Ingalls is talking to uh, Mr. Edwards and Mr. Edwards goes, Charles, you know, they're ta- you know, we're talking about taxes. One of these days, they're going to tax our income. And Charles goes, never, never. Illinois just raised their taxes. Made it retroactive to January 1st. That's all I got to say about that, okay? <laughs> Man, you know, anybody here, when you were a kid, say, when I grow up, I want to be a tax collector. No, fireman, policeman, doctor, nurse, teacher. What about tax collector? No. I've been audited four different times. Four different times I've been audited. They're not fun. They're not fun. These tax collectors today think they have final authority. No, they're despised. Even today, they're not popular. Look how much trouble it is right now for us to change our tax laws. We're having all kinds of trouble in Washington. We, we all know we don't like it, but we don't know how to change it. You know, back then, you, they, they, the Romans would tax your property. They would tax your the sales. Sales tax, they'd tax your income, they'd even they'd tax the roads. If you went on a road, there was a tax. If it was a Roman road, you had to pay a tax for it. And tax collectors, see, especially if you were Jewish and a tax collector, you were viewed as a traitor or a crook. You say, why? Because you're working for the government that's took the country that's taken over your country. You're working for the tyrant, the emperor. And these, and these tax collectors, it was very popular for them when they collected taxes to add on a little fee. You all know about fees. You got a cell phone bill, right? We know about fees. A little fee. What was that fee? Processing fee. They just upped the tax a little bit and they'd take that fee and put it in their pocket. And then they'd turn right around and say, okay, here's all I was able to collect. And they'd give it to the government and they would pocket some of that too. They were ripping off people and ripping off the government. And so their Jewish friends despised them. They were crooks. They were. It was believed, a lot of people would write them off, it was believed they were a lost cause. It was specifically believed in Jewish culture that God would even take and mark a line through their name if they were a tax collector. He, as if He would have nothing to do with them. They believed that. Because of all the Old Testament passages, to talk about the exploitation of people. They believe God condemned them as a lost cause. And yet here, Jesus, God in the flesh, is eating at Matthew's house. Why? He wants to be there. That's why. That's as simple as you can get it, folks. He wants to be there. And He's comfortable being there. He's actually comfortable. I don't know about you, but there's some people that make you feel a little uncomfortable. Am I right? You ever been around some folks? You go, they smell funny. They talk funny. They have different views. They're different political affiliation. They have different beliefs in God. They have a different lifestyle. And they make you kind of queasy. You really don't want to be around them. Go to a Cardinal game. And we're playing the Cubs. It's hard for me to even say the word. And what happens? Oh my goodness. There's a sea of red and a sea of blue. And if the Cardinals make a slight mistake, the Cubs are cheering. And if the Cubs make a slight, the Cardinals are cheering. Man, we want to, what do they say? The Cubs are pond scum? Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. Is that what they say? They say that about the Cubs, the Mets, everybody, not the Cardinals. I've, have you ever seen one of those t-shirts that says, I'm for, I'm for every team that's against whoever it is. 
Mets, Cubs, whatever. No, it's... Um, there are people that make you and I uncomfortable. We're with them for a few minutes and we're, we want to find a way to get out of it. They're, we don't desire to be with them. Do we despise them? Maybe. We just... Jesus is comfortable in that atmosphere. Pharisees aren't. Faithful Pharisees, they're not comfortable. Look what it says here in Luke 15 about Jesus. He say, this is what his critics say. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Once you circle welcomes, and I'll tell you why. Because he's saying this man welcomes. Luke records it this way. He says, he's a friend of sinners and eats with them. He welcomes them. It's on the heels of this passage that Jesus says, oh, I guess I need to talk about this. You're mentioning eating. Well, let me tell you something. Let me talk about a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. Because I'm here to welcome sinners. In fact, He says here in Luke 5, Luke's account, I came to invite sinners. You know, Why are you doing this, Jesus? Why are you with these people? Why are you eating with these these, the riffraff, the despised. And Matthew, of all people, you know he's a traitor and a crook. Why are you eating with him? Are you just trying to get a free meal? No. That's not what it's about. I love food, Jesus could say, but I love something else more, and it's people. It's people. And that's why he's eating with Matthew. He wants a friendship, a relationship with Matthew. Now, everybody else may have written... Matt off. They may have written this guy off, but Jesus refused to mark him out. Instead, he would he sought him out. He's looking for him. He wants a relationship with him. And why? Why associate with someone like Matthew, Lord? Don't you understand? Even Matthew could probably be surprised. Why? Why would you talk to me? That's easy. You belong with me. But I may not believe and behave like I should. You belong with me. I want to start there. I want you to know this morning, God sees you the same way. He sees you and I the same way. He loves you and I the same way. He can't help he can't help it to think when He sees you. Yeah, He sees you in your mess. Yeah, He sees you in your mistakes. Yeah, He sees you where you fall short. But let me tell you what He sees. He looks at you the same way and He thinks to Himself, I've got to be with you because you belong with Me. You were made to be with Me. And whatever you do never changes that. Praise God. Whatever you do will never change that I, in my mind, when I look at you, Tim, when I look at you, church, I think, You're, you belong with me. So how do I get you closer to me? And I'll do anything to make that possible. And didn't He? Didn't Jesus do everything to make that possible? Amen. And He wants... Listen, let me say something else here before we leave this point. He wants everyone else at the table to know that other sinners belong to Him too. That they're supposed to be with Him. He wants Matthew to get it personally, but He wants those sinners and tax collectors at the table to get it. He wants His disciples who are already with Him to go, hey, you want people to be with Me. And He's trying to get those Pharisees to understand that too. Instead of segregating yourself from people all the time, well, I don't want to be polluted by the world. We are polluted by the world. You are polluted by the world. You, we, we'll never reach anybody if we keep our distance from everybody that's different. Jesus is. Listen to me this morning. There's something I want to get. I want you to get is this. Praise God for this point. 
Jesus is still a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So the question is, will I be? Will I be? Because God wants to know me and He wants to know others just as much. Number two, God wants to change me. That's a message in this meal. Very simple points, aren't they? <laughs> I don't want to insult anybody. And i got to have it simple for me, okay? God wants to change me. Look at this. As Jesus went on from there, He saw a man named Matthew. He noticed somebody. His name was Matthew. Sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, He told him. And Matthew got up and followed Him. Matthew is the only person to write his own name down, to write this word name Matthew. The other two guys, Luke and Mark, write the name Levi. But Matthew says, no, I'm putting this name down. Is his name Levi? Yeah, we have a Levi at our church, don't we? Alright, Levi, is Levi here? He's in the back? We got him locked up? What's, what's the deal? Okay, well, you know. Well, Jenny's going to talk to me afterwards. Anyway, um, but what a, look at what Luke says. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And look what Levi does. He got up, left everything, and followed him. You see, Matthew wasn't called Matthew at first. His original name is Levi. It was given to him by his father, Alphaeus. And you, you, you find out that that's his father's name according to Mark. What's the word Levi mean? Well, you think of Levites, or Levite, besides the little prairie Bible camp. You might think about, oh, Levi, that's the tribe that was at the temple and they served as priests and servants at the, where God dwelled. And you're right about that. But the word, the, the name Levi was, was first spoken by a woman by the name of Leah, one of Jacob's wives. The one that wasn't, they say, is, I guess is pretty. But she had children for Jacob. And in Genesis it says that Leah said these words. She said, Now I know that Jacob will be close to me because I bore him three sons. So I'm going to call him Levi. The word Levi means to be close. To be joined to. And so the Levites who serve at the temple where God dwells, they're close to God. See that? All that's going on here. And his parents are going, what are we going to name our son? Now, my, my two sons' names are Nathan and Matthew. Nathan means gift from God. Matthew means gift of God. And I consider both of them great gifts. So there was meaning behind what we were naming our children. And I could just see Alpheus going, and, and, and whatever the wife's name was, you know, going, what are we going to name this boy? Let's name him Levi. We, they had dreams of him being close to God, being a servant, carrying on as like a priest in a sense, a servant of God, that close to God. Matthew was none of that. He was none of that. Something happened. And it just didn't turn out. Levi wasn't close to God at all. He wasn't serving God at all. He was serving Rome and serving himself. So when and when the master walks up to him, when Jesus walks up to this tax collector tax collector's booth and he sees Matthew, looks him in the eye, he doesn't say, "Oh, Levi, what's wrong with you? Get your act together. What are you doing? You're ruining your life." You should be ashamed of yourself. I wonder what your mom and dad think. None of that. No, he says, follow me. Levi doesn't hear scolding. He hears this call. Come, follow me. I can just imagine Matthew sitting at the tax collector booth day after day after day, ripping people off. It's believed that he probably heard Jesus because Jesus would teach in so many different... And probably he was teaching and Matt could hear overhear him say things like, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit or, or love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
he could, he could hear this, these messages of, of Jesus and I could just see him. I could picture him just sitting there going, <laughs> me? A servant? A priest? Close to God? I've messed up so much. I don't even know how I got here. But I'm here. And it's not, it's far away from the Lord and, and it's too late for me. A lot of people, you may not know this, maybe you do. Matthew was not a young man. He was an old man. This is something he'd been doing a long time. And so you could just imagine him going, you know, I'm an old, an old dog. You can't teach new tricks. That old, you know, new wine and old wine. Forget that. That ain't gonna happen. This old wineskin stuff the way he is. It's too late for me. And yet Jesus walks up to this man, sees where he is, knows what he's done, knows his patterns, knows his habits, and says, follow me. I want you to come with me. Today, if you're thinking something like this, maybe you're thinking, you know, how did I get here? This is not what I planned. Or I just, I just had a rotten month or a rotten year or a rotten week. And I'm just I'm close to God. I just don't feel very close to God. I understand that. Sometimes I don't feel very close to God either. You look at your habits. You look at your values. You go, I can't break some of these habits. Some of these things I've, I've just set. I'm in a pattern. I'm in a rut. And what do they call a rut? A grave with both ends knocked out. There's no way I'm getting out of this. It's too late for me to make any changes. I got news for you. The Lord sees all that, sees your mistakes, sees the mess, sees sees the where you've fallen short, knows what you think, saw what you've done, heard what you've said, even as as lately as this week, even today, and he says, I want you to follow me. I want to change you. I can change you. I can help you. You're not stuck. You're not stuck in your discouragement. You're not stuck in your depression. You're not stuck in your your turmoil or your anxiety, your worries. You're not stuck there. We can get you unstuck. I can help you get there. How do I know that? Here's how I know this. A lot of folks have written me off through the years. I know that. And maybe they've done the same thing to you. And there's times I wonder, sometimes God gets His sharpie out and says, you know, I'm going to just mark you out. But I want you to know this morning, God doesn't get a sharpie out and mark it out, mark you out. He gets out a highlighter. Praise God. And He goes, I want you. I want you and I to be together is what He's saying to you this morning. And I want to change you. I want to change something in your life. You see what he sees, he sees what you do, what you do and what you've done, and he doesn't just keep, he doesn't look at that, he doesn't dwell on that. He sees what you can become. He sees the Levi, the lack of Levi in you, and says, but I can make you into a Matthew because you are a gift of mine. I love this passage. Whenever I get discouraged, and I think maybe I should just stop, get off. Look what Jesus says there in Matthew 11. Are you tired? Yeah. <laughs> That's enough. Yeah. You wore out? Uh-huh. Burned out on religion? I'm burned out on a lot of stuff. So I can quit? No, come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. <laughs> I'll show you how to take a real rest. And he says, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What's he talking about? You will experience change. I can turn that around. But see, if you want to change, if I want to change this morning, it starts when I get up and follow Him. That's what Matthew did. Follow me. And I go, I get up and I walk away from my security. Maybe walk away from the, the, the habits, the, the, the things that I do all the time, the routine, and I start looking into a new life, a new way of living, a new way of thinking. It begins when I get up and follow him. And I'll tell you, I say this to, 
Those of you who, I don't even know if I'm a Christian, you can follow, start, decide to follow Him today. Decide that now and watch things change. And if you've been a Christian a while, you say, Tim, I just, I, you know, I messed up, therefore, you know, I tried it, it didn't work. Listen, where you are, wherever you are, get up. Start following Him again. It makes that big a difference. Because God wants to change me. He wants to change you from being far away to close. Matthew gave, or Jesus gave Matthew his name. And just like Abram and Abraham and Sarai and Sarah, Jacob, Israel, he wants to change your name. Because you are a gift, a gift of his. You belong to him, and he wants to do something with you, he wants to change you. But he doesn't want to stop there. The third thing I noticed is this in this in this lesson, this dinner here with sinners. God wants to use me. That's the next thing. God wants to use me. You know, you always have a you always have a food critic at every table. Right? <laughs> Go out to eat, Bluff City. Salad's kinda soggy. Always have a food critic when you're out with pizza, not enough pizza, not enough anchovies on this. Old anchovies, for all I care. Well, there's critics at this table. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And look at the Lord's response. On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. I want you to circle, but the sick. So the, so the Pharisees are saying things like, you know, Why are you eating with these people? And that's their criticism. It's who's at the table, not what's on the table. But who's at the table? And his response is, I'm not here to take care of people that don't need me, that don't want me, don't think they need me. Jesus can't help you if you don't think you need him. He can't help you. You don't think, if you're trying to, by the way, when you're trying other things to solve a problem, you're not looking at God, you don't think you need Jesus. And how's that working out? Now, I know how it works. Same way it works for me. It don't work. <laughs> it don't work. And he says, it's not the healthy... Uh, uh, Bob Quick was asking me, is he, ta- is he saying that the Pharisees are healthy? No. He's saying they think they're healthy and they don't need Jesus. He says, I'm here for the sick. And he's talking to some sick people at the table and these Pharisees. And then he says, but go and learn. So that, how do you know he's, that he, he thinks the Pharisees are, are, are sick? Because he's saying you need to go learn something. In other words, you fall short here. That I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And what's he saying here? Pharisees did a lot of things right. They worshipped. They did the sacrifices. They read their Bibles. They prayed over Scripture. They avoided you know, immorality and falsehood. They went through that stuff, but they lacked something. Mercy. You know, at first I read this, I go, well, their behavior, they had the wrong behavior. No. Mercy's a behavior too. They needed to have this behavior. Is it okay to sacrifice to God? Absolutely. He goes, but I desire mercy right now. He's telling those Pharisees, you guys are so self-righteous. You've got some kind of spiritual amnesia. You've forgotten how sinful you've been. You think you're better than everybody because you go to church. Yeah? I've got, I've got more on track than he does. Yeah? You don't sin? And he says there, right now, there needs to be mercy from you. I could use some mercy at the table. I could use some mercy from you when you're around other sinners. You know what I think is funny about this? Is that Jesus says, come follow me. Where do they go? Where does He follow him? To Matthew's house. They don't go to church. Come follow me. Where are we going? Church. we got to go to church. Come on. We're going to, what are we going to do at church? We're going to spend two hours. We're going to sing a little bit. Lord's Supper won't be instituted yet, but that'll come later. 
You know, we'll do a little singing, hear a little sermon, rah, rah, sis, boom, ba, and out you go. So let's start going to church. He doesn't fall into church. Where's Jesus leading him? Home where the real stuff happens. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it happened to me. I don't know if maybe it's happened to you. We've got two kinds of Christians here, some, I think. Maybe there may be others, but let me. We've got two different kinds here. We've got some that think, man, what do I do in these two hours? Tim, you can count on me. And I got a good check this week. Man, you can count on, I'm going to be here. Lord, I am here. I am. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. And I do not do that. I am here. Now, the other 166 hours, you're kind of winging it. But, man, I'm here. And but is this important? Absolutely. Because the other camp is, these two hours don't matter. I'm here whenever I can make it. And anything can take me away from this experience. So I believe the two hours are important because we come together to encourage each other to deal with the other 166 hours we're going to have this week. Does that make sense? And see, Jesus doesn't take Matthew to church. I'm not saying He doesn't think it's important. I just think it's what's important is what is He going to do home? Where He is personally. Because there's something significant about home. See, what I notice here, I guess, is the first meal that Jesus has with Matthew, He learns something valuable. Very important, and that's this. Holiness involves helping others. Holiness involves helping others. What do you mean by that, Tim? Well, I have my cell phone. And it's mine. And it, it, I don't understand my cell phone sometimes. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Anybody else? You an AT&T person? You understand what I'm going through. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's mine. And I've set it apart. Broken, warts and all. I've set it apart to use. I'll put up with the stuff that's broken on it. How many of you got broken screens? Do you, do you get rid of your cell phone? Why not? You're still working with that? It's broken. Pitch it. No, Tim. I, this is my lifeblood. It's your phone. You do what you want with it. Thanks for the freedom. You and I belong to God. And He wants to use you whether you're broken or not. He wants to use you. Oh, i got to be perfect. If I can get everything figured out and get all these Scriptures right and and get everything, then I'll be effective. He said, no, I can use you broken. I, again, I just think it's interesting to me. The system goes like this. Believe a certain way. Behave a certain way. Then you belong. And Jesus says, no, you belong. And if you get that, won't you start believing? We'll work on the believing and the behavior. In other words, it's not if I'm good enough and I'm great enough and I do enough, then I'll finally fit in and belong. God, no, no, you're, you've got a broken screen, Tim, and I'm still using you. Doesn't that hint anything to you at all? You're, you're messed up in, in places and you don't have it all together and I'm still using you, right? Yeah, but I guess you're, I don't know what, to, I don't, I don't, I don't have a process. You think I overlook it? Like I'm not noticing it? No, you see it. Then why do you think I still want to use you? Because you love me. And it's not about how perfect I can be. You just love me because I'm, I'm me. He loves you because you're you. Because of who He is and who you are takes you right where you are, folks. He, like I say, Jesus messes with this whole idea What I notice here is, is in Matthew's house, he invites all of his friends. I think uh, Luke or Mark says he invited many, many friends. There was a lot of tax collectors and sinners that Matthew knew. He, he, God was already using him. 
as an example of how God can love a sinner. And it excited him enough to bring all of his friends to this table to meet Jesus. And what do they hear? They hear things like this. God wants to know you. God wants to change you. And God wants to use you. He says, look, the Pharisees are going, this don't make any sense. He goes, well, guys, look, I'm a doctor. And doctors don't come to help healthy people. They come to help sick people. You know, I know, I don't know about how you are when you see somebody throw up or somebody has a convulsion. I, I'm a, I'm a coward. Somebody ought to call somebody. Is there a doctor in the house? And here I am. What do I do? I'm not cleaning that up. They're too nasty. Talk to somebody or having a conversation and the things are going great. Then they start telling you how I got this and that. You're thinking, oh, here they come. They're getting ready to ask me for money. They're getting ready to ask me for a favor. They're getting ready to ask me for some food. They're getting ready to ask me for something. Why not ask you? Why not ask me? They don't have it. I have it. And what do we, and what do we do? Oh, maybe I'll give them a pamphlet. Give them a bulletin. They, they can come to church and hear a sermon. What are they needing? They're sick. What's a doctor do? He doesn't ignore it. He rolls up his sleeves and he dives right in to help sinners. He's there to help people. See, Matthew is still going to be with people, but he's no longer going to be taking from them. Now it's going to be about giving to them. I love this passage here. I love this passage. Jesus says, called his twelve disciples to him. Would you circle disciples? And gave them the authority. Look what he gives them the authority to do. Now, what's a disciple? A follower. A pupil, a learner, a follower. So when Jesus said, follow me, he's be, Matthew's going to be a disciple. He gets up and follows him. That's a disciple. So he's following Jesus. It says he called twelve. He called twelve disciples. He says, come. Just like he's called you and I as disciples. Come. And what's he do? He gave them authority to do what? To preach real good sermons to give lots of money, and to be at church on time. That last one might be a good one to think about. but <laughs> Oh, sorry. Might be something they ought to think about. No, He gives them authority to drive out impure spirits. What? Somebody's got a demon in them. Somebody's got some hang-up that's like out of, they're under their control. It's a real big mess. And he's given a disciple the authority to do that. What's he want to do? Use them. Look at that. And to heal every disease and sickness. I can't do that. God can. And he gives a disciple the authority, the permission and the power to go into these undesirable, despising places and serve. As a disciple. You with me? Let's read. These are the names of the twelve apostles. Oh, circle apostles. What's an apostle? Well, there were these twelve disciples. No, apostles apostles are different than than disciples. Apostle, you know what apostle means? One that's been sent with a message. And the same guys that were followers were now carrying something with them to give to other people. Well, who are they? First, Simon, who is called Peter. Now, why are you doing that? Why do you, why do you have to put a qualifier in there? Simon is also called Peter. Why, why are you doing that for, Matt? Because there's two Simons, Tim. There's one you're going to see. He's the son of Alphaeus. And then, and then there's this other Peter. And I want to make sure you know the difference between the two of them. Or this other Simon, who's called Peter and his brother Andrew. Oh, so he's related to Andrew. So now I know Andrew's related to Peter. Okay, I got that straight. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Okay, there's a guy. Another qualifier. Here's James. He's the son of Zebedee. And here, and his brother is John. They're both sons of Zebedee. I know those two guys. Yeah, I see what you're talking about there. Philip, Bartholomew. Nothing said about these two guys. Thomas. Now wait. I don't know about you, but I'd have put Thomas. The doubter. But he did. Thomas. Then he writes, Matthew writes, 
this about himself. Nobody else, the other two guys don't mention this when they mention Matthew's name or Levi. But Matthew does. Matthew, the tax collector. What are you doing, Matt? You see, there's two people that stand out in this passage to me. The other one's Judas Iscariot, who betrayed the Lord. I expect that to be in there. In fact, whenever you see Judas mentioned a list, who betrayed him. But notice, Matthew writes about himself. Think of the humility. The honesty and humility for him to write about himself. Not Levi, not Levi close to God. The the one that's close. He says, the gift of God. I now know I'm a gift of God. To be used by God. He opens and uses. But I'm also a tax collector. He never forgets he's a sinner. You want God to use you? You can never forget you're a sinner. You can never forget that. People need to know that. People need to know that you haven't forgotten that you're a sinner. That's good for him. because what is, Why? Because this shapes Matthew's approach. One of the things that I've got to avoid if I'm going to be used by God is this spiritual amnesia that makes me start to think, I'm pretty good. I'm getting it together. I'm better than... You're in the same boat. I think somebody said one time, whether you're in first class or last class on the Titanic, you're both going down together. Yes, Jesus will change you. Yes, Jesus will change me. But it doesn't mean I should be prideful about it and aloof about it. I've had to remind myself, I don't know how many times, because you start thinking, I'm pretty good. No, I'm not. No, you're not. We're sinners. And yet, but, but Tim, I, I, I can take... can I recognize that God has changed me? Yeah, the Lord has changed you. And what should that make you... How should that make you feel toward others that, aren't, that are stuck? Not that, oh, God can't change them. I don't want anything to do with them, No. God can change them too. And that's what Matthew is trying to get across in this little account of this meal. What Jesus is saying. What he heard was, man, if God can approach me and want to know me and can change me and use me, then He can use you too. I want to say something to you. Think about something here. Okay? Um, Some of you know I went to Lambeau Field. I've been a Green Bay Packer fan all my life. Ever since I was 10 years old, I wanted to go to Lambeau Field. My son surprised me with tickets in June. We're going to Lambeau to watch the Packers and the Lions play. I go, that's, that's expensive. Well, don't worry, Dad, you're paying for it. Thanks. True. But you're going. And then we find out it's during the men's retreat. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I mean, how are we going to do this? And we're trying to figure out how we can get up there. And we want to get up there early enough to go through the stadium and stuff. Talk to Don Vogel. She's telling me all the stuff you got to go see. you got to go. You got to look at this. you got to go through this. And wait till you get there. It's going to blow your mind. I'm going, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. And we, and then, but I don't think about it until the week of the men's retreat. You know we're going to a ball game. Is that this weekend? And we go to the men's retreat. Had a wonderful time. I go to this funeral. Get back. Just in time to go to bed. And we get up early and we pack up and we're going to Lambo. So we're driving. And we get to Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Oshkosh, Bagosh. And we stay at the Motel 6. In Green Bay, it costs $1,000 to stay at a hotel. In Oshkosh, it costs 119 bucks for two nights. We have a TV, two beds, the toilet flushes. I'm a happy man. So we throw our stuff in the room, jump in the truck. I said, Matt, could you drive? I don't want to drive. I don't trust myself behind the wheel going to Green Bay. So we're driving up there. And we're going along. And 
Matthew sits there and goes, Hey, Dad, I think I saw a big G on a building. Really? Yeah, well, that's cool. I don't see anything. Well, it's behind these trees. We break over the hill. There's the trees are gone. And there's this big G on this building. Oh, that must be the power plant. It's the stadium. It's all by itself. There's not a skyscraper, a building, just trees. And this big G on this stadium. And I'm going, oh my gosh, that's Lambo. And all of a sudden, Lombardi exit. We're turning toward Lambo. And we get there. You're saying, Tim, you're nuts. I know that. And I'm driving up. I've got Green Bay sweatshirt, Green Bay shirt under that, Green Bay team ring on, Green Bay hat. My boys have all Green Bay stuff on. Thank God for Brick Favre coming at the right time so my kids would be Green Bay Packer fans. And we get out of the car and, I, and we, we park real far away. I don't know how far to park. We park too far away. I walk and walk and walk and walk. And I finally come up to the stadium. Make sure my hands are clean. And I touch the building. What did it feel like, Tim? Awesome. Bart Starr, Ray Nitschke, Vince Lombardi, Donald Driver, Reggie White. There. Come with me. There. I've been waiting since I was 10. I'm 60. 50 years I've been waiting. Finally get there. We open up the door and Matt Nathan's got his camera out videotaping. I goes, this short person, but this tall. Welcome to Lambeau Field. <laughs> I walk up to the counter. There's these ladies standing there. And I go, listen, I don't, my voice is cracking. I, this is my very first time here. I've always wanted to be here. And I don't, listen, I don't know how to explain it. Feel like I'm home. NFL. Stupid. I'm bawling. And this girl goes, Are you making me want to cry? And this other lady looks at me and goes, You are home. Welcome home. I want to tell you, I look around. I do not see a Rams jersey anywhere. I look around. I don't see a Dallas Cowboy star anywhere. I look around and I don't see a Chicago C. I don't see those. I see Green Bay. G's everywhere. Green and gold. You say, what's the point? what are you talking about those three teams for? You see, I went to Soldier Field when they went to the Super Bowl and watched them cream my Packers. I was a guest there. I went to Dallas when we had Ray Rhodes as a coach. What were we thinking? Got creamed. Got creamed in Dallas. I got jeered at, hissed at, almost got in a fist fight. I was just wearing a Green Bay hat. I thought that's going to get out of there with my life. And I went down to the Edward Jones Dome and watched the Packers annihilate the Rams. But I was a guest. And I walk on Lambeau and I realize for the very first time I'm in a home game. It feels like when you're a Cardinal fan and you're Bush or a Cub fan and you're Wrigley, right? You're home. Now, I want you to see something here. I thought I was, I was ashamed of myself. Someone texted me, what's it feel like? I wanted to say Mecca, but I'm not Muslim. It feels like heaven. Because everybody around me is wearing the same thing, and I don't know what they're like. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what their value system is. I don't know what they believe. I don't know how they behaved. But I know they belong. And I believe Jesus Christ 
at that little dinner table with Matthew was saying something. You're home. And I want everybody you get in contact with, Matt, to know they can be home. See, what I'm ashamed of is, do I think of my church this way? Is this home for me? And, and by the way, am I making it home for everybody else? Because we all wear Jesus Christ. You believe something different than I do. You, do, you did some things. I did some things that make your hair stand on end and my hair stand on end. I'm sure of it. Thought some things. Said some things. But we all wear the same thing. And I just thought, why not for a minute just thank God and be overwhelmed to hear somebody say, you are home. See, there's two questions I want you to ask yourself as we wrap this up. The first question is simply, how am I treating other sinners? How am I treating other sinners and despised people? Uh, people with addictions. People that have messed up. They're financially a mess. That don't bathe very well. That don't brush their teeth all that good. That keep their hair unkept. That aren't. They don't use fancy words. They don't. They don't know any Bible. They say Jesus and God and damn and all that stuff, but they never. They're not quoting Bible. Follow me. How do we treat these people? Sorry, pardon my French. You mind if I light up? Drunk, messed up, going through a divorce, been through a divorce, someone's died. I don't know how to handle it. How about just welcome them? How about just treat them with kindness? Like Jesus. How am I treating other sinners? Boy, that's a powerful question. I talked to so many people at that Lambeau field that I don't, I know there were a couple, there was a, a couple, I know they were lesbians, it was obvious, but they wore green and gold. So you accept that, oh, I don't accept their lifestyle, no. But I felt differently about them. Now, if they'd have wore a lion's, Maybe I'd had a problem. They wore my colors. How do we treat other people? How do we treat other sinners that fall short like I do? And the second question is this, more specifically, who is a Levi that God has put in your life right now? Who is that Levi? You go, I say, put your Sharpie away. Get your highlighter out. Be like Jesus. Welcome them. Invite them. Love them. Be kind to them. Be humble with them. Be understanding with them. And most of all, bring them to the table. You have a card? You want to write something down? A response or a question or prayer? You need prayer? That card has saved me so many times, folks. And I know some of you here know, when you wrote something on that card and your week was different, you went, what's going on? Somebody was praying for you. Would you take advantage of that? Maybe there's a decision you need to make. Maybe you need to write down the Levi on your card. There's my Levi. Pray that I can love that person. Maybe it's a member of your family. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's somebody you're going to school with. Maybe it's somebody in this room. Put them down. Ask some people to help you with that. But most of all, I pray you'll get up, follow Jesus, and be like Jesus. And have that reputation that says, that guy is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Let's pray and we'll be through here. Father, we thank You and praise You so much for the messages 
at these dinner tables that we're going to be looking at. Father, we pray that this Thanksgiving we'll think about what we can do at our table. We pray that You'll be at that table. Father, help us see how much You're for us, how much You want us. Yes, You want to change us. You want to use us, use us, Father. Father, I pray that we'll, that I, and all of us here, will just be so caught up in the, the idea that You want to be with us, that we are meant to belong to You, that we'll start there as well when we're working with others. And let the belief and the behavior follow. I know some people here have people that are family members that are sick, they're dying. They're not doing well spiritually. They're, they're in a bad spot, Father. I, we, you hear, you see their faces in the hearts and minds right now of all of us here. Do you see them, Lord? These are the people we're concerned about. These are the people we love. And we pray your will be done. That your will be done. That we'll cooperate with your will and do whatever you're wanting us to do. But your will be done. We want to thank you for the chili we're going to be eating and the fellowship we're going to be having. What a meal. And Father, I pray that we'll keep our eyes open because there'll be a message in this one too. We thank you so much in the name of Jesus. Amen.